You know, we do have to take into account that her boyfriend did shoot at the cops and shot a cop. So, like I say, even though I'm really sorry she lost her life, I don't think that we can just say we can put this in the same situation with George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey. I just don't believe that. It's interesting that that commentary is even going on in the pregame for the Lakers playoff game last night. By the way, before we get back to the serious stuff, I just saw some sort of headline on a sports site about how LeBron's just along for the ride now. It's uh, it's Davis's team. What? And uh, I didn't watch the game, but Hanson, our producer who watched the game, he said, if you watched the last minute of the game last night, it's LeBron's game. It's yeah. LeBron's floor, it's LeBron's court, and it's LeBron's decision as to whether they were win or not. The NBA is dead to me, but yeah, I find that opinion. <laughs> well, it's, it's trying to get clicks. Back to the serious stuff. If I see a story, LeBron James is clearly the dominant player on the Lakers. I'm not clicking on that. I know. I know Good. already. That's an excellent point. Clickbait. Um, we are in an era where the sports commentators uh, throw out opinions on the most important important serious story of the day charles yeah. barkley there although i'm i'm happy that he is trying to calm things down by saying let's not lump these in with some of the others i think the the louisville cops are in a, he said they're in a tough situation and they you know and they didn't do anything wrong yeah honestly it's a terrible it, situation I, I would also point out and i absolutely appreciate uh, chuck barkley and his um his measured opinions and the rest of it he's a really interesting guy um, George Floyd was completely different than Ahmaud Arbery. I mean, completely different. I don't remember which one that is. That was, I believe, that was the young man who was stopped in the street um, because guys thought he was burglaring a uh, construction site and took out guns, and he got one of the guns away from him and shot him and the rest of it. <clears throat> but uh, on the topic of Breonna Taylor, and the fact that I am just learning this is... Uh, is it, well, it's shocking, but not surprising. Got this note, actually, from JP, who points out, obviously, the death of Breonna Taylor was a tragedy that never should have happened. That goes without saying. What I don't hear is the context of the fentanyl situation happening in Louisville over the last few years, uh, and her ex was dealing drugs there. And she was his money guy. Um, so her could, ex-boyfriend... Right, who was not the guy in the apartment. No, but he was dealing drugs out of her apartment at one time? I have more information on that um, in a second. No, not out of that apartment. I don't think so. Um, But the Louisville uh, Courier-Journal and the local TV stations and, and others have been covering this story thoroughly. The national media takes the exciting bits... And the bits that will whip people up, and that's what they feature. Whether it's CNN, which is under fire and should be for deliberately trying to whip up racial hatred, or just the drive-by journalists of America, they leave all sorts of stuff out. And uh, JP referred us to this uh, local TV uh, story from, oh man, the way I printed it out, it left off the, uh, the date. But warrants issued for arrest of Breonna Taylor's ex-boyfriend amidst... Uh, leaked new documents, uh, two bench warrants. Um, the, the, well, the long and short of it is fentanyl had killed four, nearly 400 people that previous year in Louisville. 400. Um, and her ex-boyfriend was a major fentanyl dealer and heroin dealer and heroin crossed with fentanyl. 
And so the the Louisville police were really, really serious about stopping any more deaths. I mean, Louisville's a it's a good sized city, but four hundred people overdosing from drugs, the vast majority of them on fentanyl is a is a shocking story. And so that is that is why there were all those warrants served at once. That's why they went in the night, et cetera. They thought they were dealing with some really dangerous people. Now, as it turns out, and and you just don't know going in, they probably could have knocked on her door at noon or whatever and just said, hey, we need to come in and search the place. Uh-huh. And and it is absolutely tragic that the, the boyfriend was there um, and he had a gun and he thought her ex-boyfriend, the dangerous drug dealer, was there to kill them. Jeez. And, and, had, and had reason to believe that. Yeah. Uh, the report um, verified the link between Ms. Taylor's home and Glover. Detectives received Jamarcus Glover's bank records from Chase Bank. On these bank statements, he used 30, 3003 Springfield Drive, number four, as his mailing address, which uh, was uh, Breonna Taylor's apartment address. Um, which is why the cops tied him to that address. Uh, Glover, who in addition to his 2015 drug trafficking conviction, had several pending drug and weapons cases against him, was named on the March 13th warrant that sent officers to Taylor's apartment. Uh, Taylor and a man named Adrian Walker were also named on that warrant. Um, 39-page summary reviewed as part of a larger document, the full contents of which have not been released. Fraternal Order of Police President Ryan Nichols told Wave 3 News that summary reports are normally a part of a criminal investigation. Quote, good or bad, either way, everyone has the right to know all the facts associated in this case, he said, adding that he still does not understand why the information was not provided sooner or how such transparency would impede an investigation. Aguiar, uh, that's, the, uh, that's what I've been asking with all of these. Right. Uh, it seems like you should get this information out. Right. Um, who is this uh, guy? I don't remember. Um, but... He said uh, he wished the public knew more. The leaked report stated that on January 2nd, the, uh, the, the team saw the boyfriend, the big-time drug dealer, this is in January now, pull up to a suspected drug house in Breonna Taylor's car. The team was conducting surveillance on the home, which was described as a trap house, meaning drug dealers allegedly drug deals took place there. The report included pictures of Taylor's car at the scene. So, listen, maybe some of the conclusions or suppositions the cops made were wrong. And anybody who wants to talk about better policing, uh, how cops ought to serve warrants, how guns, any of those conversations, they are absolutely uh, in play. That's a conversation we ought to continually have as a free society. On the other hand, the fact that CNN, the New York Times, the Washington Post, all your alphabet networks, MSNBC, have continually said Breonna Taylor was an honorable EMT killed sleeping in her bed by rogue police is factually wildly out of bounds. It's just not true. Now, she didn't deserve to be dead, as far as we can tell. Well, no, nobody disputes that. Even the boyfriend who squeezed off the shot is is horrified at how things unwound. Sure. The cops are horrified. Everybody's horrified. Why the lies? Is it is it simply because racial hatred gets clicks now? Gets viewers' eyes and ears on the horrible CNN? If the cops did nothing wrong, why was there the $12 million settlement? Is that just kind of Who a, said they did nothing wrong? 
Yeah, they, they shot somebody. Who came somebody, within 100 miles of saying they, that? They shot somebody that shouldn't have been shot. They didn't do anything illegal. They, oh, okay. And you settle suits to avoid more costly litigation. Happens all the time. This company has done it. You pay twenty five grand because it'll cost you fifty thousand to win in court. But if somebody, but if the cops accidentally kill somebody, the city is on the hook for for money. But nobody goes to jail. And it's, the, it's and an the, out of court settlement. And the people who cost the taxpayers money, the cops who made the mistake accidentally or however it happened, mm-hmm. they they continue just to be cops. Sometimes there's no mistake made, none at all. I can cite you several instances where, at every level, in every way. It was a justifiable shooting, but the city settled for millions of dollars. Happens all the time. In this case, companies do it all the time. Individuals do it all the time. So where would the where is the where is the fault in this one that they were sent to the wrong house? Because the cops going in the door, they weren't sent to the wrong house. So where where is that the, narrative is false and always has been. So where what is the what is the wrong part? What are the part that that they did wrong then, or did they do anything wrong? The part that was incorrect, I suppose. Because if you go in the door and somebody shoots at you, you shoot back. The That's part that was incorrect happen. was that the uh, I'm told the dangerous drug dealer boyfriend wasn't with her anymore. They were still uh, had what was described as a passive friendship. Hmm. So, but it'd be I, hard I to know that detail. No, no. Um. Yeah, because, well, uh, you know, I get back to the thing we were talking about yesterday. I, I, I don't know how they're supposed to do this stuff. I don't on on the end on the side of the police or an innocent citizen. I don't know how you're supposed to deal with this. If you knock on my door in the middle of the night, pound on the door and yell police open up. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know if it's a police or not. Right. And, and, and am I supposed to get my gun? And if I have my gun in my hand, when you open the door, you're going to shoot me. And according to the boyfriend, they, they called out, who is it? And by the time they got into the hallway, the door was off the hinges or was coming off the right. hinges. And they could have his... been yelling, we're the police, but you'd be so freaking scared you might not hear it. And they so were in I don't know. plain clothes, too. I, and I, I you don't might know. not believe it, and they were in plain clothes. Yeah, and you might not believe it. So I don't, I don't know how you're supposed to handle those situations. I'm sure this has been dealt with a million times in training and that sort of thing. But, God, I hope I'm never on the other end of it. Yeah, I think the unfortunate part uh, is that the dangerous boyfriend was not there. It was an innocent guy. Um, and I have a feeling, and I'm I'm due to talk to a couple of cops who deal with this sort of thing all the time uh, today, but um, I think the reason they went in the way they went in at night was they thought the dangerous drug dealer desperado boyfriend was there. Well, right. Yeah, I get that. But if you're the boyfriend who's not a criminal... Oh, he was an impo- in an impossible situation. I think a lot of us would have reacted that way. I think he probably chose his girlfriend poorly. Uh, don't go with the former girlfriend of a dangerous fentanyl dealer. If he was even aware of that. Yeah, he might not have been. Uh, Charles Barkley went on to say last night, I hear these fools on TV talking about defund the police and things like that, Barkley said. I'm like, wait a minute, who are black people supposed to call Ghostbusters when we have a crime in our neighborhoods? Well, he's getting a lot of criticism on social media for that, obviously. Sure. Um, Charles Barkley's been pretty much Teflon on being able to say whatever he wants to say for years. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's a limit on that. Yes. Yeah, he hasn't gotten there yet. I don't know. When the when the Marxists come after him... Uh, and, and and mobilize their, their brutal tactics, he, he might have to go. 
I mean, one of the cops shot in Louisville was a black man. Uh, they don't care who, what you look like or what race you are. They just want to get their revolution going. Later, we'll have to play that montage. With the cooperation of CNN Later, MSNBC. We'll, later, we'll have to play that montage from MSNBC about how they handled that black attorney general of the state of Kentucky uh, on that channel. But uh, we'll get to that later. We're talking to Lon He Chen today about politics at some point and the debate coming up and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. We, won't, we won't talk to him again until after the debate. So I guess if we have debate questions. We better do that today. Yeah. Uh, along with all the other stuff that has happened. And we made a grievous error yesterday. Grievous, a misstatement of fact, which I will correct coming up. Airports are getting COVID-sniffing dogs. I didn't even know that was a thing. All Mm -hmm. on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I mean, man, you got to be on your toes and thinking. Because the initial thoughts of what I think is funny is usually across the line. And so when I'm improving, I have to constantly filter out my first comedic thought. That's going to be too much. I already know it is. Because it's very, very funny. But you can't do that anymore, man. And I think, man, people are missing some of the best laughs, man. Uh, it's interesting. It's Steve Harvey, who's going to be oh. going back to the family feud. Let's play the feud. Um, but then we live in a time where you can't go with your first funny thought. So, uh, wow. Interesting. Wow. Um, Comedians won't tour colleges anymore. Used to be the venue. Of course, nobody's touring anything right now, but... Right. Problem remains. Do we have a warning? We have some sort of warning. Ooga sound, don't we, Michael? Ooga, ooga. We got a warning. Another warning. This is yet another TikTok channel challenge. The teenage children's bodies are being stacked like cordwood. The deaths across this nation from the ooga. Benadryl challenge. Don't let your teenager do the TikTok Benadryl challenge. Has anybody actually done it? I don't know. But apparently there's a video going around uh, how many Benadryl you can take or something. Oh, Jiminy. Drug overdose? That's a challenge? Why don't you just swig down gasoline? I call it the octane challenge. <laughs> the hell? <laughs> Set yourself on fire. It's the emoliation challenge. I was too lazy to verify this, but Tony points out that we were incorrect yesterday, asserting that all of the justices of the Supreme Court are either Jewish or Catholic. Uh, Assuming uh, uh, Tony is correct, and it would seem he is. uh, I'd hate to have to take the two minutes of work to find out, but I haven't. Two minutes? (laughs) What are you, writing a book? Uh, Neil Gorsuch is a Protestant. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, so now it's uh, there is a Protestant on the Supreme Court for the first time in many moons. I have my shoe off. I'm getting the rock out of my shoe that has been in there since I got up this morning. So it's not a metaphor. There's actually a stone in your footwear. That's a long time to keep a rock in your shoe because you just don't get it. One of the most unpleasant feelings a a human being can have is a rock in their shoe. Mm, It's terrible. How did you leave it there for so long? Because I kept meaning to get it out, and I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Being on fire is a worse feeling, but that is a bad (laughs) feeling, no doubt. How about a common feeling? Okay, fair enough. Everybody's gotten a rock on their shoe. Not everybody has been on fire. Thank God. Thank God. Indeed. Uh, don't do the Benadryl challenge. Oh, uh, the airport airports are getting COVID-sniffing dogs. Turns out, looks like dogs can sniff out COVID. 
What's really interesting is they don't know what the dogs smell. They just know they're smelling something, and they're right. What has four paws and can smell COVID? This dog. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really interesting. They station them at airports, and you come off the plane, and they give you a little snifferoony. And if you have it, they just attack. <laughs> yeah, they take you down. <laughs> exactly. And they go right for the throat. Yeah, um, uh, can they smell the COVID on you if you're asymptomatic? I wonder. Or do you? Ooh, I don't know that. It'd be something if, since we now know the thermometer test is really not that helpful. That came out this week. It's helpful, like if you're actively exfoliating the virus right then. Well, yeah, and it—that's <laughs> uh, probably even an overstatement. Like, if yeah, you have to be really bad shape for the temperature to. If you're pre-symptomatic, your early symptoms, you're you know asymptomatic. It's not going to catch it. Mm. It but will the, catch but, some but people. The dogs but, could, so that's cool, right? Maybe there are just not that many of them. I wonder if I could train Baxter to do that. I don't think my pugs can do anything. <laughs> I don't want to speak ill of anybody's dog, but. I've never heard of pugs being useful. If you'd have told me at any point in my life prior to now that someday you'll own two pugs, I'd have thought, what happened in my life that that occurred? And multi-goats. And the goats don't really play a role in my life, but the pugs do every day. Yeah. Wow. Um, we're going to talk to Lon Hee Chen about the debates. Armstrong and Getty. Both Good Morning America and the Today Show going with the woman at the high school football game who got tased for not wearing a mask. I suppose we should get to that story at some point. We don't know what we're going to talk Lon He Chen about coming up, but uh, one thing is there are a couple polls out that don't look particularly good for Trump. Um, we need... Polls are just a snapshot in time, Jack. Thank you for that information. Um, got which polls? All of them. Okay. I don't know if you've picked your first song for your wedding yet, Michael, but we have a list here of the songs that couples tend to stay together if that was their first song, and the song that couples tend to get divorced if it was their first song for their first dance, which is kind of funny. I didn't know anybody had ever looked at that before, so I, I got all this stuff coming up today. I'll never forget that first dance with Judy. Actually, I can't remember what song it was. I have no idea. Yeah, it's I, um, overrated in importance. Burr. Yeah, I, I don't even know if we chose one. We're going with Xanadu by Olivia Newton-John. That's awesome. Good. Yeah. yeah, get out there, show your moves. So <laughs> perhaps you've heard a, a rumor that the Bay Area of California is nuts, and uh, Nancy Pelosi's San Francisco values don't represent America as well. My disclaimer is that there are plenty of great, hardworking, reasonable Americans in the Bay Area. They're just outnumbered by the nuts. Uh, to wit, a number of stories here. Uh, where do I begin? Berserkly, California has banned junk food at grocery checkout aisles. Because you and the merchant can't decide what they should sell and you should buy. The government needs to decide that for you. It's funny, for all the uh, freaks and talk about do your own thing, they want you to do their thing, too. Uh, also, we could go with uh, one San Francisco neighborhood has seen a 75% increase in burglaries. I wonder if that, that has anything to do with the crazy Marxist DA, Chesa Bodine, who, interestingly enough, was Hugo Chavez's interpreter in Venezuela. Wow. The communist dictator. And this story is so interesting. You were that close to Hugo. 
he was considered a hero in Venezuela because he told him his parents were political prisoners in the U.S., which is not true. They're in prison for murder, murder during a burglary as members of the Weather Underground. Oh, boy. Political prisoners in the United States. and Wow, that's something. But he became a celebrated man in communist Venezuela and was elevated to Hugo Chavez, translator. And then he came back to the U.S. of A. and is now the district attorney in San Francisco. And he's one of those uh, people only commit crimes because of the patriarchy and white supremacy. Wow. Guys, so love this note from Matt. Uh, And he attaches uh, a link to uh, this this program that the DA, Chesa Bodin, created. It's a pilot program to help small businesses repair smashed windows. So he and the city fathers won't do anything about rioters, but now they're trying to use taxpayer money to fix the windows. I love the way Matt puts it. There are no words from a former San Francisco resident. The backward city of San Francisco is taking a new approach to government that goes like this. Step one, have the highest taxes in the nation. Step two, spend that money on anything but law enforcement. Step three, watch the alarming increase in property crimes. Do nothing. Step four, nominate a DA who believes his job is to free criminals. Step five, use tax (laughs) revenues to compensate victims of those property crimes. Six, repeat until insolvency. (laughs) Matt, that is brilliant, buddy. That is really good. Well said, my friend. Man, that's some high-level stuff right there. Yeah, sure enough, man. (laughs) Whack-a-doodleville. I can tell you a little bit more about the uh, burglary thing, but there's an attitude in San Francisco, seriously, and and I want you to try this on for size in, uh, you know, wherever people are listening, West Texas and in, in Salt Lake City, all across this country, uh, in the Midwest, uh, Joe and Dayton. I want you to try this on for size. They don't even arrest burglars. They don't try. They don't really respond. You can file a report if you want, but I'm not sure why you're bothering in San Francisco. Anyway, uh, a quick uh, note on a different, you know, aspect of your security, and that's uh, your car and incredibly expensive car Warning, repairs. warning. Something is wrong with your car. Oh, warning. No. Is it going to be 100 bucks or 5000 You just don't know. Well, with CarShield, you don't really have to worry about that anymore. CarShield offers a wide range of protection plans that can save you thousands for covered repairs, which means that check engine light is a lot less scary when it does come on. Maybe you're driving around a car, hey, you know, it had the bumper-to-bumper warning when you bought it. Don't know more, and you worry all the time. Well, you don't have to with CarShield. And uh, over one million drivers have been helped by CarShield, America's number one auto protection company. It's growing by leaps and bounds because people like how easy it is to get into and out of. Check it out. The reviews are fabulous. They've helped. CarShield has helped over one million drivers. America's number one auto protection company. Just go to carshield.com and use the code Armstrong to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code Armstrong. Or if you want to kick it old school, dial this number 800 car 6000 and mention Armstrong. What do you think you want to talk to Lon He about? Oh, I got all sorts of questions. I'm weighing one carefully whether he's an honorable man. And I don't even want to, like, tempt him or put him in a position of trafficking in, in scurrilous rumors. Is it about Biden's mental state? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I just want to mention real quickly about the burglary story. The Mission District in San Francisco, burglaries are up 75%. It's an outlier, you say, an outlier. Northern uh, section, um, which is the Marina Pacific Heights, etc., up 58%. The Tenderloin... Up 49%. Richmond, 50. Ingleside, 44. Central San Francisco, up 17. 
Uh, and uh, Bayview is only up about 2% because Bayview's got lots and lots of crime already. But how about that? Every single section of the city, an increase in hot prowl burglaries. Burglaries in which an individual was present in the premises when the suspect entered. Oh. How scary and dangerous oh is that? Oh, my God. Skyrocketing crime, but keep voting for the same party. <laughs> you might move out of your neighborhood, and that happens in your life. Thousands and thousands of people have. The, the traffic coming out of San Francisco is heavier than going in for all the U-Haul trucks. So I mentioned uh, some bad poll news out for Trump. We do have the debates, which a lot of people think are the only thing that could uh, really change the direction of the election coming up in a couple of days. And we're going to talk to one of the best pundits in America about that, Lonnie Chen, coming up next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. My plan expands affordable insurance options, reduces the cost of prescription drugs, will end surprise medical billing, increases fairness through price transparency, streamlines bureaucracy, accelerates innovation, strongly protects Medicare, and always protects patients with pre-existing conditions. So Sounds like a landslide win to me. So that's uh, Trump trying to combat this latest... Uh, effort to make it all about health care that Biden and Harris and Nancy Pelosi seem to be into. Um, some poll came uh, poll numbers came out yesterday from Fox, some of your swing states. Now, Trump is uh, up slightly in Florida and a couple other states, but Nevada is down uh, 11. Ohio is down five. And then Pennsylvania, which a number of your number crunchers have decided that is the key is Pennsylvania. He's down seven currently. Lonnie Chen is the David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution. Joins us now. Lonnie, welcome. How are you? I'm fine. Good morning. Thank you. Excellent. I believe you heard the poll numbers during the introduction. Should Trump fans be worried? Well, I think they should be worried insofar as a few of those states uh, are, are states that you would fully expect Trump to be more competitive in. So Ohio is a good example of that, where the president won quite handily in 2016. And, you know, those numbers aren't great. Now, that having been said, you look at a state like Nevada, which is a state where I, I don't think the Trump campaign was actually really expecting to be uh, competitive at this stage of the game. So in that sense, you know, I would say the poll is mixed news. Uh, Pennsylvania is a tough state to poll in some ways because you've got a lot of people in Pennsylvania who are going to be first time voters this year, actually. And if you look at the new voter registrations coming out of Pennsylvania, Republicans outpace Democrats. I think it's by at least two to one. It might wow. be more than that. Wow. So it, it's, it's really tough. The, the thing that polls have a tough time getting right is the composition of the electorate. So if you bring a bunch of new voters into the electorate, those, the polls may not be picking up that phenomenon. So Pennsylvania uh, is a tough one. I think Pennsylvania is the best shot out of those three upper Midwestern states, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is the best shot for the president at this point. Well, if you watch 60 uh, Minutes, can, the, the, uh, you got to throw in the mail-in balloting thing because tens right. of thousands, maybe millions of votes are going to get tossed out. So that makes things different, too. Well, right. You, you, there was this Pennsylvania Supreme Court decision recently that basically said if you don't return your ballot in two envelopes, right, there's a basic envelope that goes around the ballot. 
and then a second envelope that's like a safety envelope. If you don't put the envelope in the envelope, they can disqualify your ballot, which is like, okay, I mean, you know, that, 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 that seems a little excessive. But that having been said, it's a security mechanism, right? We want to make sure that the vote is secure. So that is something that voters in Pennsylvania need to account for. Then there's the story that's just out about uh, nine military ballots that were discarded um, in Pennsylvania, seven of them for Trump, two of them still sealed, so nobody's sure what's going on. I have a very bad feeling about the post-election competing narratives about the mail-in ballots. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. I, I mean, in my view, it's it's great if people are able to cast their votes securely I think at this point of, of the game, though, this whole thing has gotten so poisoned, both both sides, by the way, Republicans sure. and Democrats, sure. in terms of the mail-in balloting discussion. Uh, look, from my perspective, I just want people to be able to vote. I, I want people to be able to cast their votes securely and safely and to do it in a way that we can verify that the people who are voting are actually who they say they are. These seem like relatively basic principles, don't they, guys? I mean, in a democracy, why is it so hard for us to, to come to agreement on these basic basic things. I, I, I don't understand it sometimes. Is there any advantage or disadvantage for, in terms of getting elected president for Trump uh, getting the, the nominee through before the election or after? We've been discussing this now for a week, and I, I, don't, I, don't, know if, I don't know if it's going to have any effect on the election. When it happened Friday night, um, I thought, oh, my God, this is huge for the yeah. election. At this point, I think I don't think it's going to have any effect. You're right. You know, it's funny. When it first happened, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I, I found out she first passed away, I thought, boy, this is going to really work to the president's political advantage. Now it's, you know, people, it, it, this sort of comes back to the baseline of 2020. And it goes back to a point I've made with you guys before, which is I, I think most people have their minds made up about this election. Uh, the number of people who are actual swing voters or who are actually undecided at this point, I, I'm not sure it's all that big. And the reason why I think it does probably benefit the president a little bit is because you may have this group of Republican of people who are, you know, right leaning center right Republicans who have been uncomfortable with the president. You know, they don't like how he speaks. They think that he's just a little bit too much. But at the end of the day, they're reminded that, you know, the Supreme Court does matter and this appointment is important. Subsequent appointments are important. So I think some percentage of that group then comes back to Trump, which is why I think ultimately it helps him a little bit. But it's not a huge advantage. And I think most of this race at this point is pretty well decided. You know, I could also picture the opposite, though, that a certain number of uh, nose-holding Trump voters would say, look, we got three justices. That's pretty good. Yeah. Now We're calmer done. times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But who knows? Lonhee Chen of the Hoover Institution at Stanford is on the line. Uh, I've been meaning for days, Lonhee, to get to this uh, Pew Research poll. Uh, the headline is Partisan Antipathy, More Intense, More Personal. Uh, Democrats Democrats hate Republicans, Republicans hate Democrats, uh, etc. I realize there are learned and long books written on this topic, but uh, how do we get here? <laughs> Well, there's a couple. You've got thirty things. seconds. All, <laughs> I kid. <laughs> right. Start with the Bible. <laughs> Touch on the revolution. Uh, right. The... right, Gen. First, there was Genesis. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think, I think that the, the 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 best answer I can give relates to the fact that we are more geographically sorted today uh, than we have been at any point in American history. So, people who think alike 
are more likely to live next to each other or live in close proximity to each other. And what that means then is that the districts, the political districts that are drawn, end up encompassing less diversity than before. So the reinforcement of how we think and how we behave by people who live around us has accentuated the level of polarization. That's amongst the electorate. In Congress, there's more polarization because members of Congress come from these districts that are more polarized. So you end up with more Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's and then really conservative Republicans. You don't end up with a lot of sort of purplish Republicans or purplish Democrats because they all get voted out. Well, and so, I... Oh, sorry, go yeah. ahead. No, no, I mean, that's basically, the, the, the okay. in my mind, the biggest reason why. Well, add to that, there are so many inputs these days, so many channels, so many websites, so many push notifications and email and the rest of it. To break through, you must say something extraordinary, strong. Outrageous. 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 Yeah. 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 Well, that's a big problem, right? And, and the social media channels accentuate that, right? People are thinking about... What, what will go viral? What will, what will make a big splash, to your point, rather than saying, okay, what can I say that's going to de-escalate the situation? There's no benefit to de-escalation in today's social media. No. Uh, since we won't talk to you before the debate Tuesday night, what will you mostly be looking for in the debate? Well, look, I think it's the tale of two debates. On the one hand, for Trump, his, his game plan, I think, is fairly straightforward. Talk about the economy and his ability to deal with the economy have an answer on health care to what you guys, the, the clip you played, the reason he's giving that or he gave that speech yesterday is to have an answer on health care. And the last thing is he's got to pressure Biden. Uh, for Joe Biden, on the other hand, he's got to make sure that he has a relatively clean debate. I mean, a, a flub here or there is probably fine. But what you want to come out of it with is not having made a huge mistake that will get aired over and over again and change the dynamic of the race. So, you know, I, I think if you're the Biden team, the big takeaway is don't mess up. Yeah, and, uh, and, 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 for, and for Trump, you know, stay, stay on the economy. You're too decent and honorable to say it, so I will. Joe Biden has to not be senile um, because that is, <laughs> I think, you know, I, I love the comparison. I can't remember who wrote it. It was quite apt that uh, people uh, wanted to see Reagan in the first debate because he'd heard he, they'd heard he was a crazed warmonger. When he came off as not a crazed warmonger, they thought, wow, this guy seems kind of appealing. And if Joe yeah. Biden can avoid the uh, I'm losing it tripwire, a lot of people will think, OK, yeah, we can trust this guy. So we'll, we'll have the, the expectations matter a lot. That's to be sure. Yeah, indeed. Lon He Chen, David and Diane Steffi, fellow in American public policy studies at the Hoover Institution and host of the most excellent podcast, Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen. If you like, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Chen's uh, commentary, you'll love the podcast. Lon He, great to talk to you. Great to be with you guys, as always. Thanks a lot. I should have brought this up to Lonnie because I'd love to hear if uh, his opinion on this. Um, my, I mentioned this earlier. My advice for President Trump would be shut up about everything, for one thing, that's not related to you know a couple of key points. Just God dang it. <laughs> it's so clear well, to me. For instance. Don't say crap like, um, uh, you know, I'm not committing to the peaceful transfer of power. Uh. Biden and Harris, you know what their strategy is? They're just going to hold back and let Trump be Trump. You keep doing your Trump thing, man. Do your Trump thing, clear up to November 3rd, and we'll see how that turns out. That's Mm -hmm. their strategy right now. If I'm Trump, every day, all I say, if they win the Senate, they're going to end the filibuster, which is going to happen, by the way. That's not hyperbole. That's not the scare tactic. I don't think they'll add states. I don't think they'll pack the court. They will end the filibuster. Right. That absolutely will happen. They will end the filibuster, and all that stuff you've been hearing about, the Green New Deal and all that crap, they're going to pass it with 51 votes. Right. If they have the presidency in the Senate, that stuff is going to happen. And that is the 
the honest to God's truth. And hammer jobs, 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 and kitchen table issues. Making the your uh, prescription drug prices lower. That's a good one. That's good stuff. But yeah, not the complaining about personal grievances and 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 just don't say anything dangerous. Man, I'll say it again. If Trump were twenty percent less Trumpy, still Trumpy, just a little less Trumpy, he could win in a landslide, win in a could, walk. Forty six states. I think if he peeled off five percent of his personality, wow, he would be he would win easily. But he can't do it. Nope. Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently not. That's why it's going to be like a demolition derby Tuesday night. And I am both dreading it and I can't wait for it. Yeah. The most disappointing thing would be to me is if it's just kind of a, you know, Biden was fine. Trump was fine. Nothing has changed. Just like nothing's changed since the beginning. Boo! 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 <laughs> That's when he got up the ante. I don't know. Maybe here's where Positive Sean steps in, but... You got a fight show. Nothing interesting's happening. What do you do? Hand them both a club or introduce, uh, say something about about the other guy's wife. I don't know. We got to jazz this up. A uh, special guest referee was always a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Folding chairs. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Well, a special guest referee. That's what we need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, tell you what. My money's on train wreck. A lot of universities who lecture you about inequality only let in rich people. Stay tuned for that story. Armstrong and Getty.